I just feel impressed um, to, to connect this, this time. We've had an amazing time of worship. And we will take the offering and we will have announcements later. But um, I want to share a few thoughts with you. I've got a sermon to share. Uh, yes, children, you may be dismissed for Sunday school. Early Wednesday morning, Pastor Winona, Winona and I um, were in our vehicle and we were driving up to her cottage and we left early in the morning. And as we were driving, we were talking, exchanging thoughts and things that God had impressed on us. And I told her Wednesday morning, I said, it, and it sounded funny, and I will try to exp explain it and share with you, but the thought that God gave me was, this is a safe place. And I want to share that with you this morning, and in conjunction with that, some of the activities, some of the things when God moves, this is a safe place for you and for me. I heard the word family this morning, the safest place I know, and the best picture although it may not always happen in our families, but family is a safe place. My wife knows things about me that nobody else knows, and she doesn't expose them, but she covers them and she protects me. I know things about my wife or my children that I don't expose and I don't say things about, but I protect and I cover and I watch over them and I provide safety. And this morning, I believe God wants to touch you, and he wants to give you safety. Another thought that comes to my mind in our worship this morning, I heard the word brood. We had a real funny thing happen this week. We're learning how to have a hobby farm, and so we've got chickens. And the chickens are laying chickens. So they would lay almost an egg a day. So we get close to a dozen eggs a day in the neighborhood of 8 to 12 eggs a day. And the weather has turned a little bit and it's gotten difficult, um, wet and cold and damp. And we noticed the egg production had dropped. But there was one cubby that those chickens seemed to be in regularly. So we took the eggs out and we found out that they actually were incubated and they were starting to form chickens in the egg. And we took a flashlight and you can tell. And so Winona started to look at that and she looked online as to why the chickens would stop laying. And there was one thought in there is, is if you want a chicken to lay eggs or to hatch eggs or what they refer to as brood, you actually leave eggs in the nest. And we had done that inadvertently, and there were different stages of that within days, but we had inadvertently created an appetite or an environment for this chicken or chickens to learn or to brood over eggs. And my point is, Sometimes you do things by accident. 
and you learn. And we weren't trying to get the chickens to, to hatch the eggs, but we learned by accident that that's what happened. And this morning, I believe the Holy Spirit, Winona looked at me and she says, God is just brooding. And the thought that came to mind was, you have to give him opportunity to brood. You have to give, sometimes we say, God, I want you to move, but not today. God, I want you to speak to me, but it better not be through that person. God, I want you to heal me, but I don't want to dip seven times in the river. God, I want you to bless me, but I don't want to work. God, I want, and, and sometimes the brooding of the Holy Spirit is there, and what we have to do as part of our responsibility, because we do play a part in seeing the miraculous working of God in our lives, is we have to give God an opportunity in order for a miracle to happen. So this morning, I believe God gave us an opportunity. And he was brooding, and he says, is there anything for me to brood over? And I want to encourage you, that doesn't just happen Sunday morning. There's some of you here, you're watching TV and you're enjoying a TV show, and all of a sudden something hits you here, and it goes, I want to spend time with you. And what that is, is that's the moving of the Holy Spirit in an instantaneous moment. And he's not against you watching a show or having joy or doing this, but what he wants to do is he wants to learn, he wants you to learn how to hear his voice and how to talk and how to communicate. So when we experience these moments, we have a schedule, we have a routine, we have a process that we go through in the service but the first and the most important thing is we want God to move. I want God to move. I want your lives to be touched. Because if we just show up for two hours or an hour and a half or an hour and 45 minutes and we leave and we don't get some touch from God, quite frankly, I am not giving you what God has required of me to give. And one of the biggest things he's asked me to do as a pastor is to give you an opportunity to experience God. So this morning, I want to jump from our worship and I want to share a little bit about being safe in God. That's a term that we hear a lot of these days. It's a buzzword. It originated years ago, that phrase. In fact, actually, if you really study it closely, you'll find out the safe place actually originated in the Bible. There were actually cities of safety in the Bible. So we might use it today, but it's actually a biblical term. But in the last number of years or the last year, that term has popped up again and it's coming, a lot of it, the context has been with millennials. 
And we can sometimes discount or say the next generation is behaving in this manner. And what I want you to do is I want you to see and recognize that the need for a safe place, even with respect to millennial, is not a bad thing. What that is, is that the people around us are crying out and calling out for a place where they can just be. The concept of a safe place, I struggle with a little bit with respect to modern culture. Because sometimes it's because they don't want to hear the views of somebody else, so they want to have a place that they don't have to hear an opposing or dissenting view. I have a hard time with that because sometimes correction and instruction happens through challenging our minds to look and think something differently. But the part that I want to spend a few moments on today is the part of you can be safe in God. Some of you here have addictions. Some of the addictions that we struggle with sometimes are community or social ones, alcohol, pornography, some, but there's others sometimes that we strive for, and, and one of the addictions is food. What do you do when you're put under pressure? How do you respond? And what I want to share with you this morning is Jesus accepts you where you're at in order to take you where he wants you to go. I'm not here to tell you it's okay to have that addiction and to stay there or to have that habit and to stay there, or have that attitude and stay there. But what I'm telling you is God takes you from there, and he says, I accept you and I love you. Now let's start walking towards or forward. And we as believers, as brothers and sisters, as family, must walk together with people that are hurting accepting them and walking them forward to what God wants them to do. Because God does not speak to your past. He speaks to your future. I want to show you some thoughts about Jesus. I've got a few verses that I want to have, and then I just want to give you some thoughts about how Jesus responded or looked at people that had a messed up life. Do you know Christianity is not clean? Christianity, if you really get into it, can get messy. If you want your prayer life to change, get involved with somebody's life. If you don't want your prayer life to change, just be an island by yourself. But if you want your prayer life to change, start talking to somebody and you find out the, the self Identity that they struggle with. Acceptance. Performance. I see it on TV. The phrase, I just want to make my dad proud. 
Oh, I understand that. I want to make my dad proud, but my dad loves me, and I don't have to do anything to make my dad proud of me. But I see people that are 35, 40 years old, and they sit down in a group, and they have tears coming down their face on TV. And they go, I just wanted to make my dad proud. Can I say something? That's messed up. Your dad loves you, cares for you, protects you, has provided for you, has made a safe place for you. And the enemy has come and he has messed up family, whereas a stable family is more abnormal than a family that struggles. And that's something I've had to learn because I grew up in a very stable, solid family. Pastor Winona had a very solid, stable family. And as I've gotten involved with people's lives, I found out that that is more the exception than the rule. And I've had to learn that the things that I just automatically thought or expected don't just necessarily happen. Because I've been in a setting like that. I've been blessed by that. And my goal is for every one of you to have a family that is stable, strong, and solid. So that as that next generation comes up, we start affecting the world from a family. And we start having families that are solid, families that are secure, children that don't have identity issues, husbands and wives that don't argue over unnecessary things. And we have children that are people that are solid and confident in what they do because they have a family that doesn't struggle with some of the issues that the world around us struggles with. I coached soccer for my daughter Olivia for a number of years, and it rocked me. One, one year, there's this one girl, and in three different practices, three weeks in a row, and we would practice on a Thursday night. And, and by the way, I coached soccer. My kids had t-ball. I was a pastor here at the church, and literally if Pastor Nelson said we're having a meeting, he didn't ask me if I wanted to come. He just said we're having a meeting. And we were there. We grew up in the church. But as, as I was coaching, that was just a free one. As I was coaching this girl three Thursday nights in a row, she came to the practice with a different parent. And as she's talking to me one week, she literally goes, she doesn't know who's going to be taking care of her the following week. And this child is 10, 11, 12 years old. And that hit me. Because I grew up knowing the stability or the safety of that. So when we have a move of God, are we going to be open to giving people a safe place that they can be? Are we going to give people the safety to say something and maybe not get it 100% right? (laughs) 
I heard a story from a pastor who had a guy stand up and make a prophetic word, and in his prophetic word, he used a cuss word, not realizing that's what he was doing. Now, I'm not saying that's what we should do, but will we love somebody if they come up and say something and it doesn't come out the way I think it should come out? Will we love somebody if last week they struggled and I helped them and I loved them and this week they struggled again? Will I give somebody a safe place to be that I will know their difficulties and yet none of you know them? And this morning, I, I'm not trying to lay a heavy on you, but I just, we're family. We're family. And sometimes family gets loud. Sometimes family, my kids, I, when we raised our kids, we actually said, we want to hear what you think. And sometimes they thought differently than me. And I quickly changed their mind. No, I didn't quickly change their mind. But sometimes family, life, we who have it together, or so we think, don't give room or space for somebody that struggles. I want Solid Rock to be known as a place that you can come as you are and we will love you, help you, protect you, and that you will leave better than when you came. And I'm not saying that you come and share your dirty laundry with everybody. There's wisdom in who you talk with and who you confide in. But if you know something about somebody, you're not going to tell somebody else about that. I want to share some verses about this. It says here in Proverbs 18, verse 10, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are safe. This passage says the, run, the righteous run to it and are safe. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. If you study the word name, in the Hebrew, there's a picture associated with words. And one of the pictures associated with, word, with the word name, I was sharing with Pastor Sean this morning how much I, I just love the Hebrew language. It's a picturesque language. And the word name in the Hebrew, because they would not even use the name God. They would sometimes just say, the name said it. If you study scripture, you'll find out quite often, they just said, who did this or, or where's the authority behind this? And they would just say, the name is what caused this to happen. That's why if you study it, you see the word Jehovah, they don't use vowels. They spell it J-V-H-W or I'm not sure the exact spelling, but they pronounce it differently than Jehovah. And there's an aspect of honor and respect towards the name. 
And sometimes they will just say the name. And in the picture of the Hebrew language, the word name is that which removes confusion. So if you were to see this picture, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. If I say your name, Nick, that removed all confusion because it's Nick. Kirsten, by the way, I loved your guitar playing this morning. I don't say, what's your name? I say, Kirsten. You know what? That removed confusion. If you call me by my name, David, it remo- instead of going, hey, hey, who is that? You say the name and it removes confusion. Think about that in the spiritual sense. You say the name Jesus. You say the name Jesus and it removes all confusion. Spiritually, it's the name above all names. If you're struggling with something and you don't know what to do and you wake up at night and you're like, I, why am I? Just start saying Jesus. Doesn't have to get caught. You just start saying Jesus. Because at his name, confusion is eliminated and the enemy has to respond and he responds by fleeing. His name removes the confusion to whatever issue you're facing. And so it says the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The name, I'm just amazed when I read the scriptures how many times it says the name of the Lord. Why doesn't it just say the Lord? The name of the Lord. The righteous run into it and are safe. Psalm 46 verses 1 to 3. God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Even though the earth be removed and the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling. He's our refuge and our strength. We will not fear. A safe place. Who here would like to live free of harm? Who here would like to live free of danger? You know, living in Jesus, you do. That is your inheritance as a son and a daughter of the king. That you do not have to live with harm. What is harm? Harm is the possibility of danger. I mean, I just, I wrote physical injury. Actually, God wants you to experience safety from harm. Harm being the physical injury, especially that deliberately inflicted. God wants you to experience safety from harm. He's a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are safe. I cannot share with you my passion for how I'd want to see the church functioning without first of all letting you see how God functions. 
because we get our example from how God functions and how God moves. God be with that child. <laughs> Even I heard it. God wants you to experience safety from harm. All the parents are running up going, is it mine? Is it mine? Your child is going to be safe. We will put rubber around all the walls going forward. Have you ever felt that there's deliberate things pointed at you? Have you ever felt there are actually people that are at odds against you? Have you ever felt like, I just walk into that room and I can sense their eyes just like laser beams at me, and, and if, if I do anything, they're just going to attack what I've done? Even if it, Have you ever met somebody that you do something good and they still find something wrong with it? Like, I just made the table. Yeah. But do you know those legs are short? I just did this. Yeah, but... And they deliberately want to hurt or to harm you? Have you ever, ever, ever had somebody intentionally pick on you? It's the whole concept of bullying these days deals a lot with that. God wants you to experience safety from harm. God wants to give you safety from danger. And danger is the possibility of harm. So not only does God want to give you safety from harm, but he also wants to give you safety from the possibility of harm. Now I said, for us to see it happening this way, we have to understand it this way. So for you and I to know God has safety and he has safe plans and he has plans for you that are full of safety, his plan for you is that he does not want you to even experience the possibility of harm. As a parent, I don't want my child, children, to even experience the possibility of harm. As a pastor, I don't want any one of you to experience the possibility of harm. As a brother and a sister, part of a family, I don't want the person sitting beside me to experience the possibility of harm. Why? Because Jesus modeled it, Jesus lived it, Jesus showed it, and therefore I will do it as well. Safety, when I talk about safety, it doesn't mean that you're not going to have fear. It doesn't mean that you're not going to have danger and that you're not going to have harm. What it means is that he's going to protect you and take care of you and shield you from that. When you look at the word safe and you look at the definition of safe, one of the words is that he makes you inaccessible. I, I think of the game we played as kids. 
and maybe this younger generation doesn't remember it because now we've learned video games, but back in the day, our video game was touching somebody and running around saying, tag. And that was our video game. We used our fingers, but usually like this. But we played a game called tag. And there's different variations of this game. But one of the styles of this game was there was one person that was safe. And as long as you touched that person, you were safe. So you'd run around and there was people chasing you. And as soon as you got beside that person, I'm safe. And what's amazing is as kids, we actually believed that. And they would come and touch me. And I'd go, no, you can't touch me. Have you ever seen a child? No, you can't touch me. Because I'm safe. Well, what makes you safe? You were just running two seconds ago. And you were in danger. And now you stand beside that person. You touch them. And they're safe. You're safe. Sometimes I think kids' imagination is much better than an adult imagination's. Because they get the concept of safety so quick. They just play the game. And as far as they're concerned, you cannot do one blooming thing to them because they touch the person and now they're safe. And arguments happen because I touched him first. But they're inaccessible. Even though they're right in your vision, you can't touch them. Just like that song, you can't touch this. I mean, they're, they're right there, and it's like, you can't do anything. Why? Because they've touched the person that's the safe person. Sometimes I think we need to have our relationship with Christ as simple as that. You can't touch me. You can't touch me. I am inaccessible. Another word is, I'm high. I'm high. I'm so far high that I'm higher than anything other than you can come up with. I am safe. I'm high. I'm inaccessible. That's the safety that God has for you. What's amazing about that is along with the safety, there's still vulnerability. I'm safe with my wife, but I'm not perfect. I'm safe with my wife, and she knows my shortcomings, the one or two that I have. I love you too, sweetie. My daughter laughed, but my wife didn't laugh. There's an aspect of being safe in God that actually you're vulnerable because you have safety in God, but you still have issues. And there's an aspect of being safe with one another but I'm not perfect. But my wife doesn't tell me that every time I foul up or make a mistake. And if I'm doing well, 
and trying hard and I make a mistake. There's safety. And can you imagine a new believer that's struggling with something? But they can come in here and they know that when they're monks, brothers, and sisters, we love them. We care for them. We don't correct them every time they use a word that maybe we think they use, shouldn't use, but we still just put our arm around them. And if they say, yeah, I shouldn't use that word, we might say, yeah, there's probably a better one. Or if they make a mistake, we don't keep reminding them of that mistake. I... This has been heavy on me. A safe place for my brothers and my sisters. Because Jesus offers a safe place. He met a woman at a well. He asked her for a drink of water. And then he said some comment about her husband, and she says, well, actually, I don't have a husband and he says, yeah, you know, you're right. And the five guys you lived with. And, and he knew all about her life. But instead of him going, you're no good, he said, I'm here for you. And in turn, that whole city invited Jesus in. The woman that was caught in the act of adultery, which was a legal punishment to stone, And Jesus is there, and they want to trick him. So they set her down, and they get around her, and they say to Jesus, now, she should be killed because she was caught in this, and, and, and it's all legal. And he looks at them, and he says, whoever's here without sin, cast the first stone. And one by one by one, they leave. And finally, he stands up, or he looks up, and he goes, where are your accusers? And she goes, I don't know. And he says, I don't accuse you either. Go and sin no more. I think she felt safe. I think she felt safe. The one person that could have authorized and had done it all turned and said, I'm not going to accuse you. Here's the solution. Just don't keep doing it. Don't, don't move on. There's some of you here today. You don't have to tell me a dark, dirty secret. I'm here to tell you God loves you. And he just says, let's move on. This is a safe place. You don't have to tell me. I don't have to know. I'm here to tell you this is a safe place for you to be who you are, how you are, committed to going where God wants you to go. And if you're here, I love you. If you're here, I love you. If you're here, 
This is a safe place. If you make a mistake and you get back here, I love you. And if you move again, I love you. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the freedom? Because I've made a mistake, but they love me. And I'm committed to love you. I'm committed to showing you what Christ wants for you. But I'm going to accept you. Jesus accepted that woman where she was, and then he said, looking forward, don't do it again. Safe place. I, I usually have a quota for amens. I haven't got too many today. Are you receiving what I'm saying? Okay, that was about 85. That's pretty good. I'll take it. I'm, I'm not trying to be heavy. What I'm trying to do is painting a picture because we have a culture outside these walls that is screaming for safety. And instead of me making jokes about them, which I have in the past, and I hope I don't in the future, but instead of making jokes about them and their insecurities or this or that, am I prepared to offer them a safe place where they can just be who they are and that they know that as they come and are part and get around me, they'll feel secure, they'll feel confident, they'll feel at rest, and because of that, they'll take steps forward to grow and to get to know Christ the way He wants to get to know them. Are you ready to give this morning? <laughs> Pastor Sean, if you want to come up here. I, I'm just, as he comes up, I want to show you a few things here. Jesus is our safe place. You can come as you are, and he accepts you. The woman at the well. He knows what you've done, and he still pursues you. Paul. He meets you where you are and wants to come to your house, Zacchaeus. You are guilty. He doesn't condemn you. He just says, don't do it anymore. And, and instead of woman, I'd say person caught in adultery. He keeps faith in us. Jesus is our safe place. He keeps faith in us even when we make mistakes. Peter. He will not leave you or forsake you. He said that to the disciples. This is Jesus who is our safe place. He has your best interest as his motive and um, purpose for what he's doing. Your best interest. He said to them, I have to leave. Because what's coming is better than what's here right now. Can you imagine that? He does not expose your errors. He covers them. 
says love covers a multitude of sin. He does not condemn, which beats you up. He convicts, which causes you to change. And the last one is the picture of the prodigal son, who when he came back, he had a party for him. Because his son, it says when you read the story, was safe. Jesus is your safe place. And this morning, as we were worshiping, I believe the Spirit of God was hovering, brooding over us. I want you to know you're safe in God's house. And whatever happened last week, you're safe from. And what you're looking at tomorrow in Jesus, you're safe from. 